Hi guys, we're Two Peas in a Drop Pod. We're back. Um, I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. Uh, and we haven't been reported for some of the things we said last time. <laughs> Locked away uh, in an asylum or in any form of jail. So we've come back to talk to you again. So thank you very much for that, guys. That's really cool. We've been blown away by all the comments. So um, thank you. Re- really appreciate it. And I know yeah, thanks, Ben Brilliant. is just as excited as me, which is pretty, pretty excited, to be fair. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so this week, uh, as normal, we're going to do our On the Hobby Desk. So we've actually both managed to play some games and paint some soldiers, so we've got a bit to tell you about there. Moving into the galaxy of war, there's obviously a lot going on there at the moment. 40k is um, buzzing, buzzing around the community, buzzing for me and buzzing for Ben, so we want to have a chat about that, our first impressions of the game. Uh, I'm warning you now, that's going to be quite an excitable segment. Um, yeah, and we need as... to deal with Dan's descent into heresy quite, quite badly. <laughs> The Inquisition is coming. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I've locked my doors. Um, <laughs> so then we're going to have a little wander over to the Mortal Realms. Uh, we ha- saw the announcement. We popped it up. I'm sure you guys caught it anyway. We've got General's Handbook 2017 coming up. Um, really want to talk about what that means for my hobby um, and uh, chat to, to Ben a bit about that as well. Um, it'd be great to get some feedback from you guys on that as well and what you think about that direction from Games Workshop. And lastly, we go into the wilds. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about a couple of the other games we play. So um, X-Wing, uh, also Saga. Ben has invested in the Alien vs. Predator game. Getting have, very, yeah. very excited about yeah. the uh, the dropship model. Oh, um, yes, I am. <laughs> so I'm sure we'll cover that. So thank you very much, guys, for joining us. Um, you go grab uh, whatever refreshment you need to be able to stay awake through the next uh, hour or so of us rambling on, uh, and we'll be back soon. Hi guys, welcome back. We're going to talk about um, what's going across our hobby desk at the moment. Uh, it's been a pretty exciting time for us getting ready for our 8th edition Tale of Many Gamers. Um, and I've been working on uh, my Space Wolf Force, and I think Dan's been working on some Vile Heresy. I keep seeing photographs of skulls and twisted vehicles across our Facebook screen. And what do you have to say for yourself, Dan? Blood for the blood god! Mm. Um, I think there's an intervention in uh, in order. Uh, so I'm going to start uh, throwing uh, loyalist memes at you until you So I repent. should say right now, Ben, that um, Joshua is asleep next door. So I had to tone down the, the shouting then a little bit. Oh, right. Just just so I don't wake him up with cries of blood for the blood god. Because to be honest, at 11 months old, that's that's likely to be damaging for the future. Well, yeah, and we we don't want him ending up like you, really. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> now, now, come on, we had this debate last week, so <laughs> this is all about providing people with a platform to play against somebody else, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I, and I bought into that. I, I did. I, I bought all that crap. And uh, and then I saw you reveling in it over the last week and thought, yeah, no, he's gone. He's, he's, he's completely devoted himself. <laughs> so and I don't buy it anymore. So, um... Don't buy it at all. <laughs> 
we we will talk a bit more about that because uh some of you guys obviously know your your heretics really really well so i popped up a picture of a skull of khan the betrayer uh and a couple of people jumped straight on that and knew what that was so that guy's finished now and he took to the battlefield this past week and what a machine yeah um he is absolutely awesome uh joined by a me finishing off a couple of rhinos um and uh and now on to some skull cannons <laughs> so they're sat next to me at the moment the wash a liberal amount of agrax earthshade is currently drying um while i talk to ben for your listening pleasure and uh, over a corn red base <laughs> is that right dan <laughs> over a corn yeah. red base yeah yeah it's uh it's quite cool actually so um Sorry, Ben, you were going to talk about Space Wolves and I've just leapt it. I've got so excited about chaos. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly my point. It's just... (laughs) (laughs) It's gone bad. bad. I'm just kicking off. So, yeah, uh, with the corn, I I get the corn red base paint. I've still got some of the cans of spray. I'm lucky for that. Uh, Balthazar gold on all the gold bits. Xandri dust on all the the bone um, areas. And lead voucher on on the metal i said say lead voucher i use that sometimes but i've also got um it's made by coat de arms and it's called gun metal and it's a really good likeness to bolt gun metal you see um, i i don't I, think... I don't like lead voucher at all I, I, no so i really don't it's the consistency it is. bothers me with lead voucher yeah. it's, it's not as smooth you know i have to say generally and i said this last week i really like the the, the games workshop paint range yeah, i've got them all um, I use them a lot, but the metallics, some of the metallics, the new ones they've out recently, very, very good. But some of the metallics aren't as strong. And lead voucher for me, it's just not as smooth enough. So this coat the arms is one four two gunmetal. A good friend of mine, um, Ant, who runs Crosswalls Games Club, he pointed out to me how good this stuff was. And now every time I go to a game show that sells it, I pick up a pack of about six pots uh, and keep it on the shelf. So, yep. Really like that. That all goes on, and then it's Agrax Earthshade over the top of that, and then you can start building up your layers. So um, yeah, it's it's quite it's quite a simple scheme, but it's quite striking on the tabletop. Yeah, no, I liked it. Although you you go a bit mad. It's like red, red and brass, <laughs> red and brass, red and brass. Yes. Well, so, and Ben, you've been trying something out. Something you painting once? I, I have. Yeah, I have. Um, I've been uh, trying a different way of doing my space walls. So. Uh, the first squad I did, I undercoated in Fang, um, and then hired, highlighted up from uh, through Rust Grey and into Fenrisian Grey, uh, with the Fenrisian Grey being just a really fine highlight around the edges. But um, in an effort to try and speed things up, I undercoated with the Fang Spray, which I really like, um, and then base-coated the whole model in uh, Rust Grey. And then I've done a glaze back with Fang, Rehighlighted with Ruske and doing the edges in Fenrisian Grey. It doesn't sound like there's less steps, but it is actually much quicker and the model looks a little cleaner. Um, not quite so much uh, unnecessary shading right right in all the small cracks. And I, I think it has a better overall look. Uh, and I've gone for a bit more weathering this time. Uh, we're going to put pictures up of our, of our projects so we'll be able to see what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> it's really difficult to get an impression uh just from what we're describing but uh, i think that's turned out quite nicely we're gonna we're gonna be we could pioneer painting miniatures through the medium of sound <laughs> well yeah 
<laughs> gently talking people through how to how to do uh, paint a model with voices like Barry Manilow. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's a hit. It's an instant classic. That's going to podcast number three. <laughs> going to be amazing <laughs> definitely um so yeah that, that makes up my s- i reckon out and john you can tell everybody this is your place <laughs> half our listeners have just switched off <laughs> that's the end of that. uh, so yeah that's my squad i'm planning to do a, a rune priest to go with um not a rune priest sorry a wolf priest to go with those and that'll be my first two parts for my um tale of many gamers um excellent and i are you are you varnishing them when you're done? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think I think that's important because when you when you're constantly picking them up off the table because my corn have slain them, you don't want any of the paint to come off. Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely the reason why, man. Yeah. So I mean, let's let's go back let's to, to think talking a little bit about so people don't think I'm just narrow-minded imperial. Um, the one of the models you painted is one of my favourite character models that Games Workshop has on over there, Karma the Betrayer. Is so full of energy, it literally looks like he's just about to run across the table. Um, I think he's an awesome model, regardless of how mm. vile and heretical he is. He, he, I really have <laughs> toyed with the idea of buying him just to paint him. Um, so yeah, he's one of my favourites. Yeah, he he goes together really, really nicely. It's a good example of the newer technology that they're using to have really good construction. Yeah. Um, the details really, really crisp. There's some very small detail on there. Yeah that's crisp yeah. um which you can pick up nicely uh, and layered really, detail really good fun to paint yeah yeah and a really good yeah. example from the space wolf range of that is um is uh ulrich the slayer you know the the mm. the skull necklaces uh, the tooth necklaces you know layered detail not just flat onto the model but actually looks like it's it's there uh, in a three-dimensional kind of sense uh, and, yes. and you can't make that kind of stuff out of out of metal you know, uh, and I don't think you can really do it out of resin either, if we're being honest. Um, so yeah, I think it is a really the, the character models that they're bringing out are really good examples of of using plastic technology to make outstanding character models. Um, that mm. if you took back and showed me when I was eighteen, nineteen, I wouldn't have been able to tell you they were plastic. I thought they were metal. No, 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 absolutely, totally agree. Um. I must say before we, we before we talk about the game because I know you've had your first game of eight since we spoke. The first game for a long time. Yes, my and, first game uh, for a very long time. Yeah, and and I've played, but I I just need to say for the love of God, people, sub assemblies use sub assemblies. I am building these skull cannons, and why? If I could go back to about a year ago when I built them, I would slap myself around the face. <laughs> because why I built them without sub-assemblies, I do not know. Um, I'm there, like, twisting them and trying to get a brush in, and I'm like, oh, I could have left this bit off and hit it with the airbrush. Yeah. Muppet. So please, please. I got overexcited, I think. I wanted to see them them finished. Um, I have managed to pull a couple of bits off to do, but sub-assemblies definitely the way forward my pain is your gain people uh, you say that dan but i'm going to give the counter argument I, it's worth me saying i completely agree with you but um at the same time there's a lot of people who don't have the time to paint all the time um or even just a few hours a week um, and they want those models out and on the table and it it's really hard to sort of put a sub-assembly model on the table 
you end up with some random weird looking bit to represent your your heretic cannons or whatever the hell you call them um <laughs> <laughs> so um, there are, i've i've got an image of chaos space Marines being fired across the, <laughs> the oh, like clowns like they are they are clowns like like clowns yes like <laughs> but seriously, so I, I can I can understand why people do it because they want their models out there and on the table, um, and I think I think I can understand that. I can. Oh yeah, and, and so do I. I mean, I'm one of these um, strange types that won't use stuff unless it's painted. Um, generally, yeah. and I'm fortunate in that I've got a fair bit of painted stuff now, which helps. Um, and yeah, you're right. I have seen. And if he's listening, Jeremy, this is a shout out to you. <laughs> Marathi, metal Marathi, held together with sellotape. <laughs> no joke. No joke. Yeah, it's dedication, um, man. <laughs> so, bought to you by the same guy who used a Lego dragon in a game of Warhammer Fantasy. So, um, <laughs> absolute hero, uh, Jeremy. But, um, yeah, you've got to weigh it up, I suppose. But for me just from a speed perspective the sub assemblies are, are really really helpful yeah and you can take that right down i i don't ever glue a bolt gun or a, a long arm weapon onto a marine until i've painted his chest now never um but it does mean when you're playing you're like is that dude a plasma gun or is he a bolt gun well and it's also such an ass to line up the guns the arms yeah that's what i get stressed about yeah but anyway that's sub-assemblies. I'm quite passionate about them, <laughs> like many things. <laughs> so game-wise... Sponsored by Sub-Assembly Man. <laughs> right, anyway, quick. You need, quick, you need a costume now, Sub-Assembly Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, let's move on before I start describing it. So uh, um, my game was at the new gaming club that was just set up. Uh, really nice bunch of guys. Um, changed my impression of... Um, Battle mats. I've been sort of toying with the idea of battle mats for things like um, uh, X-Wing, where you can have the space in the background. Um, but to have them for 40k and, and Age of Sigma, I've always been a little bit, um, I suppose, reluctant is the right word. Um, much prefer a kind of three-dimensional table. Um, but these I mean, these make sense at a gaming club. I thought they were brilliant. Um, really simple, easy to pack up, easy to put out. Um, but I'm getting off the game. The game was brilliant. Um, played against Ross. Shout out to Ross. Thank you very much. And um, played uh, Blood Angels versus Space Wolves. Uh, and Sanguinor was my version of Corn in your game, mate. He went through a squad of uh, Blood Claws like they were targets uh, in a training room. It was it was quite appalling. Um, and we have sort of spoken about whether or not characters now in hand to hand combat are, are kind of the new thing because. Um, they both in our both of our games we've had characters that have made mincemeat of lesser soldiers, haven't they? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm wondering yeah. whether that's going to be a theme. Um, <clears throat> things I learned that flamers are absolutely preposterous um, in Overwatch, and <laughs> I, I just dirty. You, you want to try charging a, a Land Raider Redemptor, <laughs> Redeemer, even Redeemer. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Yeah, that's one thing I learned, and the other thing I learned was that. Uh, if I compare it back to what I was... I mean, we'll talk about this in the 40k segment, but if we compare it back to how long it took me to learn 2nd edition um, all those years ago, this was a joy to pick up, actually. It was really quick. Um, and I was back into it as of, uh, you know, very quickly. Really enjoyed it. 
I think what's really exciting for me, mate, is you played that game, and then a few days later, um, you ping me a picture, and you were full in to paint in some more space walls. <laughs> um, it was quite clear that uh, the excitement had carried across, yeah. um, and it was driving you on into your painting hobby. Yeah. Um, that is so exciting, and it's great to hear you've got that gaming club, because, you know, lots of people play or collect the hobby, do the hobby for lots of different reasons. Um but I think certainly you and I enjoy most of the a- aspects of the hobby. Yeah, definitely. Um, to different degrees. Like, uh, you know, we enjoy certain bits more than others or what have you. But having the whole package will always be better than just a few bits of it. Yeah. So that's really good. Yeah. And it's something that you know, we spoke about last week. I've struggled to get games in because of location and, mm. and time. Um, and I mean, they're even talking of moving it into my hometown. So. Uh, it's, it's all joys, really, for that. Into Bobman? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's going to... In the back room of... Then you'll be able to say it's gone Bobman. <laughs> yeah. uh, in the back room of a pub as well, so it literally couldn't be better. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I think, worthy of travelling from Bristol to go to that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That'd be, be awesome. That'd be brilliant. Um, yeah, so that, that was me. It was only a small game, just so I could, you know, get used to the rules and um, and get back into it, but... It was definitely a real joy to do that. Cool. So, so over um, to you and your over to me. debauchery over oh. in Bristol oh. independent games. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So my my corn, you got some of you might have seen the pictures. My corn took to the field against the Sons of Sanguinius um, just uh, yeah last night actually. Yes, not yesterday. Um, so I got to play down at Bristol Independent Gaming. They also use gaming mats, uh, which I love. Um, I've got a few of those, big fan of those. Um, and like Ben says, really convenient. So we played down there, um, played against my friend Tom. Um, definite shout out to Tom, bit of a ho- hobby hero of mine. Keeps me uh, keeps me excited. He's he's a nut for the Horus Heresy. Um, so it was nice to drag him away and play a bit of the new 40k. Um, but when you've got a guy that you can pick up and play a game and have fun and they live so close, you can see their house out of the window. You're very lucky, so uh, that's awesome. Um, first game of 8th edition. Unsurprisingly, people won't be shocked. I really enjoyed myself, really <laughs> enjoyed the game. Um, <laughs> it was very, very fluid, I felt. Um, I was worried going into it that I wouldn't like the change to the vehicle rules because um, I'm a bit of a tank interest. I like tanks. I think they're cool. And there's a lot of people um, that were concerned I... about that, really. Um... Yeah, I, I have to be honest, didn't make any difference for me. Like, it, it didn't make any difference neg- in a negative way. Yeah. Obviously, they play differently, but a Lamb Raider was still absolutely nails. Yeah. Um, and I made reference to it just now, but charging a Lamb Raider Redeemer that can overwatch with two Flamestorm cannons <laughs> that has no arcs of fire, so it just rolls 2d6 hits, was, was yeah, it was, it was bad, actually. Stupid bad. is the word you're looking for. It was stupid. Well, you know, you got to throw the chaos into it. I, I actually <laughs> tried to claim that if you set possessed space marines on fire, they would be more dangerous and scary. But um, that wasn't allowed. It's not represented by the rules. So I think that's definitely something for the FAQ guys to pick up there. But yeah, it was. It was amazing. It was really, really good. Um, I the rhino thing getting out of rhinos and being able to charge is definitely back with vengeance yes corn berserkers yes. are incredible yep. um they get to pile in and attack twice 
which doesn't just double their attacks, it actually allows them to wade into the enemy um, and attack further, and then calm the... Oh my days. Oh my days. So he's in a rhino, he jumps out, runs around a corner, oh, there's a squad of uh, of blood angels, I'm just going to charge them, oh, there's fire bouncing off my arm, I don't care, oh my god! Ten blood angels are dead. <laughs> it's just insane. It's just insane. So hitting on twos, six. The blood angels didn't have a very good week, really, did they? Um, no, <laughs> but they they will be back. You know, it was interesting because afterwards Tom and I were discussing it on the way back in the car, and there's you know it by playing you kind of you build up an idea of tactically obviously what you want to do next yeah. time. So it'll be interesting to see what comes along next time and how Tom constructs his army, changes his army, um, but. It was really nice to go and get some soldiers. I haven't played with my corn army for a long time. Um, and it was nice to get them on the table, play a game, try out new edition uh, and get really excited. So uh, <clears throat> on the topic of new editions, I think uh, we went to uh, draw a line under our hobby desk's tails and, um, and move on to 40k next, guys. So after a cup of tea, we'll be right back with you uh, to talk about the, uh, uh, the new 8th edition 40k. Catch you soon, guys. guys uh welcome to the galaxy of war um we were talking about names for segments and i got excited uh, and went with galaxy of war so <laughs> thumbs up if you like uh thumbs down listeners something out no i'm joking i'm joking <laughs> yeah, i'm joking it's great to have you guys on so um quick move on ben move on we want uh, to talk yeah, about eighth edition 40k we do indeed we do indeed what a surprise eh yeah it's dominated the last couple of weeks of of the uh, the of wargaming, really, I think, across pretty much everything. Well, we recorded this on the eve of its launch, didn't we, last time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, my box didn't turn up on time. Dan's did. Mine turned up on Thursday, so um, I was... Do you know what? One one would call that the gift of chaos. Uh, oh, man, you need a slap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I was pretty disappointed, but when I got it, oh, because I mean, we want to talk about unboxing, don't we? And um, I think when we talk about unboxing, I love the uh, starters kits, um, the box games, whether mm. whether it's um, the Death Watch one or it's the um, the Horus Heresy one. Sorry, um, they're they're just a, there's a, a thing when you open them. They're they're just fantastic. Uh, they're packed full of stuff. Um, and you just you get the feeling of a new beginning, um, and I I always like them because they bring me right back to opening my second edition box set, um, and just being overwhelmed by all of the bits that was in there, and um, just spent the next week just solidly reading. Um, I had for the first time since the second edition the closest I've feeling I've had since opening that box. Um, Do you know I'm so glad you. So it's interesting when you. So we've both worked for Games Workshop. We've both owned or own a considerable number of toy soldiers. Yeah. And yeah. when you open the box, you sometimes, especially when you're building armies. So I will often build three or four units of something in one go if I'm building or three or four boxes if I'm building a big unit. And you get a little bit sort of you're just opening boxes, opening boxes, opening boxes, building models, building models. And the nice thing about a box set, the the 
box games is yeah. they always you you get that kind of excitement factor don't you whereas yeah, you do, maybe you when do. you're just opening yeah. a tactical squad it's maybe not the same um, because you've done it so many times but with this game and I'm, you just alluded to it there i it was amazing it yeah. was such a buzz like, it's incredibly well presented mate i have never this game came with a purity seal <laughs> on the model on the box. box oh yes so and I have to say this is this is my level of of ridiculousness. I managed to carefully peel it off. Oh, you didn't. And, yeah, I did, <laughs> and I stuck it onto some sticker paper. So I've actually managed to save it in my excitement. Oh man, I, I in my excitement that bad boy was torn. It's <laughs> just straight through that. It's, it's, it, it was. It, it's a really. I well actually mine book. sat in the cellophane and I just looked at it for about half an hour because I was like so excited about opening it that I was almost afraid to open it in case I wasn't as excited as I wanted to be when I opened yeah, it. Yeah. And to have it into the different segments and the slip case and oh you it's almost really... you almost you can almost hear a choir of like gothic sort of angelic figures come floating in. I think <laughs> we're coming across as fanboys here a little bit. Are we? Oh yeah, just a tiny bit. Do you do you like games do you? Yeah, yeah, they're all right. So I think for me, one of the one of the things that was really really nice is having the rule book in the box, not just a tiny little pissant, you know, A five thing. You got the actual hardback rule book in the box, um, and the last time that happened was third edition, mm-hmm. and uh, it, that's a really nice welcome back. Oh yeah. Absolutely, and you get a cool, handy little fold-out thingy, my Bob, that um, has the core rules on it. So you've still got that sort of easy to handle thing. And if anyone handy knows how to laminate a multi-folding page out of cardboard, then please tell us because I need to laminate that before it just turns into a doggy toilet roll. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen. So I, I mean, the box-wise. The models in it are spectacular too, and um, there's something about have you them. Built, have you built any yet? No, and I'll tell you why. Because um, I want to do them Space Wolf, and um, I'm I'm plotting and trying to work out how to best integrate the the Space Wolf bits into them uh, without making them look ridiculous. I thought you were going to collect the Nurgle. Yeah. I'm going to leave that silence in. I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> That's my feeling. <laughs> right, okay. Nurgle are just vile. I, I, I've always yes. said, I can't work out. I mean, if you were a Chaos Marine, or in fact anybody, and you were seduced by the Chaos Gods, and you went to like a Chaos Reunion, and you looked around the room, and you chose a Nurgle, you would, you would think, seriously, what the hell was I thinking? I have a tentacle coming out of my armpit, and that dude's eight foot tall with muscles the size of a rhino. I made the wrong choice. <laughs> it's true. You can't deny yeah. that I'm right. No, I'm, I won't deny that you're right. I, yeah. Tentacle coming out of your armpit. I mean, what is that about? I think there's a great little bit where it points out. There's like, it's, it looks, it's one of those drawings where they've got a model. And it looks like imperial text referring to different parts of the Nurgle Marine. Yeah. And there's an arrow and it points to this like random tentacle that's coming out next to his boot. And it says uh, something like, 
random mutations with no apparent use. <laughs> fantastic. Other than to feel the floor in front of your feet. for what... <laughs> Yeah, just, just to check. Is the floor still there? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so but, yeah. I, I've not built any of mine either. Um, because I'm... St- well, I'm still on... Mate, this... just say it. You're enthralled I, I... by chaos. You're just no, stuck I'm in just the lap struggling. of corn. I'm it's still true. struggling. I really want to just go mad about Primaris, but I just haven't. I love them. I do love them. I'm just still struggling with this relationship between them and sort of your standard Space Marines. Yeah, yeah. And when and I get you, over that, I you don't want them in the same army, do you? No. I think it's important to to sort of voice because that is their options, isn't it? Your options at the moment is to have them integrated into your Space Marine armies. Or to create a completely new, separate Primaris army, whether that's from the same chapter um, or a completely different chapter. And uh, I bought Dark Imperium, the novel, and Dan Dan did too, um, to try and see where Games Workshop were going with the Primaris. Um, And I I had mixed feelings about it. So things that I really enjoyed, I like the fact that... um, the Primaris weren't just a thing that uh, uh, popped out in the last hundred years. They'd been in stasis, in and out of stasis for 8,000 plus years. That kind of added a depth to them that I quite liked. Um, I liked the fact that the the Primaris had an awful lot of respect for the Astartes. They didn't look down on them. Um, they they saw them as brothers, um, not as you know the old, useless um, has-beens. Um, and there's some great relationships in the book between um, an Astarte Psyker and a um, Primaris Captain, where the Psyker is just schooling this Captain um, on chaos, basically treating him um, like a child in some ways. And and that's another thing that I quite like. The Primaris always came across quite naive at times, a little bit, a little bit boyish, childish. Yeah, we were talking about that, weren't we? we um, I was, yeah. And I, I really like, like it. Yeah, it reminds me of the Legions, really, in the way that when they were first faced by Chaos, yeah, well, they they were just completely in the dark, really. So the difference here is that Primaris know about Chaos, but what they don't necessarily know or or recognise the threat of is the way it can try and affect you. Yeah. So yeah. the captain in question is like wigging out at one point, isn't he, and kicking some butt, and he he is feeling like he's doing the Emperor's work, but then that librarian comes across and like banishes the chaotic power that's that's trying to subvert him yeah and he realizes and he's like oh oh dear so um yeah, yeah. I, I like that but it's interesting what you say about how they really respect the astartes because one of the things i didn't like um there's a reference to it's calgar and he's talking about i think it's calgar and he's talking about how gilliman has said that no, that's Felix. That's the captain I was just talking about. Is um, it? He, he's it's... reflecting on um, how uh, the Primaris are being used for the difficult operations, the real hard-hitting ones, um, and that Calgar was making no secret of the fact that actually the Astartes Gil- time Gilliman the... makes no secret. Yes, of sorry. The, yes, yeah. yeah. The time of the 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 current Astartes is is. Those their days are numbered, I suppose. I thought the that's, the, that's the that's the the term he uses, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't know why I have such a problem with that, to be honest, because Primaris are really cool. 
I think it's just because it's not <laughs> for twenty years. Space Marines, as they were up until the launch of Eighth Edition, were they they just drive the hob. They have driven the hobby for me. Yes. Um, and at the moment, the Primaris ultimately is is an incomplete package, which is what you completely understand because when you just come out, but. Yeah. There are things about Astartes, drop pods being a big one that I love, um, and things like the tactical squad with the, you know, the one heavy trooper and one assault trooper. It's just a massive change. Um, yes, it is a massive change. And there's no sign that the um, that the primary tactical squads or uh, inter- interceptors. Is that no? I, don't, I can't remember the names yet. Um, Intercessor no... squad. Yeah, there's no sign that they're going to move towards that one heavy. No, weapon. in fact, actually, in Dark Imperium, it talks about it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Again, yeah. the same captain talks about it um, and how they feel that it makes tactical options clearer or something. He, I'm not yes. quite sure the phrase he uses by having by having single squads. And there, <laughs> there are some dudes in there with flamethrowers in their fists and missile racks. Yeah, the, so the kind of future Terminators of the Primaris and. Uh, aren't they? I forget what he called them, but you meet the Reavers for the first time in there because and then they're a new model, uh, they're a new theme, and um, they haven't gone down very well, really. I don't think um, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of good points being raised. For example, the skull helmet really is completely pointless when it comes to intimidating somebody when you're nearly nine foot tall. It, it's just a ludicrous addition, and actually, the skull helmet is a really important kind of character thing for uh, the Space Marine chaplains and I can see that point um, and a lot of people don't like the legs and the aesthetic for me I I think I quite like the concept of them um, and I think that they, they're going to be quite a cool unit I'm not so sure on this two part simple to make plastic kit version of them I think for um, infiltration and fear units they look a little bit like they're posing for a photograph um, whereas the the primaris in the box set they those guys look like they're in combat they've got their weapons up they look like they're advancing you know there's there's a dynamism about them they're not necessarily look like they're flat out but there's a, a realism about the poses that they've chosen to use i think the reavers are almost taking a step right back to those kind of stupid static positions that you saw in sort of the early noughties um, and I well, I'm not keen on it. Having said that, one of the things that I've realised a long time ago about Games Workshop models is that quite often I have to see the model, and the model is usually ten times better than the photograph. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I completely agree. I was going to say all along, I, I think seeing the models in the flesh is, is important. really important before um, making your mind up. And also, what's interesting is they seem to be expanding the amount of starter box sets really yeah. early on. So we've just seen a couple of extra starter sets added to the Age of Sigmar range. Um, we saw... Well, actually, there was one, Storm of Blood, um, that came out probably Same six weekend. months, 12 weeks, 12 months ago. No, no, this is something different. This is right. was like a little box. It was only 20 quid. Um, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. And Don't the magazine one, yeah. thing, and that came out a while ago. And then they've brought all this out. So... The Reavers at the moment make up part of that, but yes. I have no doubt that we will see them come out as a a multi part kit. A multi part kit. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm sure of it. Uh, but it is 
it is great to see Games Workshop really, well, the design studio supporting the frontline stores with with product to get people to play in the hobby. I really, at really different excited. Entry points. At different yeah, entry different points. entry points, and uh, do you know, and that's key, I can remember it? sat having conversations with other Games Workshop managers as a Games Workshop manager and saying, I don't understand why you know the most important thing is to is to get more people to come in because yes it's very important really important to retain current custom and games workshop forgot that for a while or seemed to and they've gone back to doing that and doing it really well but ultimately it doesn't matter how well you treat your customers for one reason or another some of them will stop buying your product it might not be because they it might not be because they don't like you or like your product, but financially, you know, people's situations change. Yeah. So you have to add new people. And so I always found it weird that the studio, which was the most expensive part of creating product, the games which has, didn't do more to support that process. So it's really exciting to see that. Really exciting. Yeah. Um, and they've changed the names, aren't they? Because, I mean, when I, when I first started... The boxed game was called the starters kit, um, mm. and now the boxed game is the boxed game. It's the full bells and whistles, the hardback rulebook, a whole ton of amazing models, um, everything you need to start. Whereas the starters yeah. kit, starters kit is aimed at a, a lower price point. It's fifty quid. It's the same as the old starter kits, um, but you get everything. You get a small battle mat. You get a, like a your first piece of scenery uh you get a bunch of models you get the the rules um genius you get everything you need to start playing the game at a a different price point and that box set you were talking about for age of sigma 20 quid uh, with the rules in and a handful of models i mean i mean that just makes sense doesn't it i mean why so how many times did me you know we've both been there yeah you go through the whole caboodle you run a painting intro kid is buzzing then intro you game. run the game intro yeah. game and you smash it out of the park they're, they're fired up with so much excitement and you can um, see the dad in the background looking at the prices thinking crap yeah and then you, <laughs> you you go over and you start talking about what they need and the the reality is yes there were times there were times when people would go yep yeah, that's fantastic and drop 200 quid bam and buy it and, and that happened and and actually, that made made it really important that every time you ran an intro, or you were introducing somebody to the hobby, you you, you tried to make sure they went home with the 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 stuff they needed. Um, but the number of times that you know they just couldn't commit to that, which is understandable, yeah, far outweighed that. But actually, what was really important is that they left with something, yeah. anything, you know. Actually something that i used to do a lot is give out a lot of painting intro models just so that they took something away which they then had to bring back to the store um if that can be a five pound magazine or a 20 pound box you know five pound for a magazine that's really nothing on an outing on a shopping trip if your kid was like i'd like that five pound magazine yeah I, i don't think that's a massive well, it, it, it's there's always going to be five pounds will always be too expensive for somebody. <clears throat> well, yes, um, it's always relative. Isn't but it? but um, 
It's going to be too expensive for a lot less people. (laughs) Yes, that's that's the point I was very inarticulately trying to make. But (laughs) so, um... so yeah, so generally we've been quite pleased, haven't we? Um, Dark Imperium has some really good bits in. Um, it does, but it's book, a book of two halves. Yeah, well, I, I think somebody asked me about it the other day. I said, I think it's 73% awesome. Yes. Uh, uh, they were like, what? And I was like, well, it's there's some really great stuff in it. The beginning is just awesome. The opening stuff is really, really good. That in drop, fact, the, ho- drop the whole the wrapping up of the Crusade stuff, that drop, <laughs> that Space Wolf is brilliant. Yes. That Space Wolf is, you've got to wish me luck. No, hang on, what? Hang on. Don't be superstitious. Can you go back? Could you just say that again so everyone could hear? What? Uh, <laughs> that Space Wolf is awesome. There we go. That's it. They just are awesome. I was a bit confused then. I was amazing. like, what? what? He was. <laughs> it's the fact that he was not... He was, First, he was superstitious, and they were like, what are you doing? And then he's like, yeah, but it's my 13th drop. To which one of them says, yeah, but that's the number of the Primarch's Legion. And he's like, yeah. And they got split into lots of little pieces and sent all over the galaxy. <laughs> and I don't want to be split into pieces. It's great. And then yeah. they're on top of that barricade and they're like, right, we've been ordered to hold here. Uh, and he's, he's like, like sod no, that, I'm getting stuck no. in. <laughs> and he looks over the edge and he just leaps off into all the enemies. It's brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, it was nice to see that they retained their traits, wasn't it? It did. Uh, and um, if I was going to criticise it, they, they were all made a bit too archetypal. But it was really nice to see those unnumbered sons units um where the primaris were working together wearing the livery of their gene father um and and fighting together and breaking down those barriers because it does annoy me in some ways that the the dark angels rocked up to fenris and thought oh yeah this is a fair shot to just start bombarding the planet um and you know wankers basically uh, why the hell are you doing that um, and Gilliman has clearly seen that there's a problem, uh, and he's fixed it. He's fixed it by integrating all those Marines with each other and then splitting them out into their chapters so that those Space Wolves can go back and go, actually, you know, I've met a Dark Angel, fought alongside him. He's a brother. You know, those guys aren't as bad as you think they are. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that was a really cool thing because the relationship between him and the Dark Angel, um, they were still that kind of friendly banter but you could clearly tell that they were you know solid and yeah. uh and that that for me was a really cool part because actually i would quite like to do an unnumbered son's primaris army um because yeah. I, I think that could be awesome yeah um well is it they've, really got, they've got the chapter icon but with a gray chevron across it that's that right it? yeah yeah, yeah. well not the chapter icon they're um they're, they're kind of uh, Legion icon, I suppose. You know, going right back to the, you know, oh ultimate. right, yeah, of course, yeah, right yeah. back to the Gene Fathers. Um, so, um, we knew we were going to talk about that book a fair bit. I just want to go back and discuss the 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 actual rule book. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in the in the box set because we said we were really excited that the main rule book came in there. Um, another it's, it's really, lush. it's great. It's another really high quality book. Um, hardback, which. I really like as a collector. I like to have things in hardback. Um, they look good on the shelf. So really, really good. I think for me, one of the things that I would have liked to have seen more of were the sort of epic battle displays where they set up loads of miniatures and loads of cool terrain 
and there is one in there there's a really nice one in there um but i i remember thinking as i was going through it right well hopefully on the next page or hopefully on the next page so that would have been nice to see more of although i am lucky in that i i get to go to warhammer world and they got massive displays there um and they're putting in some new ones soon actually so we, we need to do another road trip then yeah we do and we saw them building them at uh Warhammer fest yeah but so that was just one thing I would have liked to have seen a bit better. I'm still getting my head around navigating the book when I'm playing. So yeah. I think maybe some little post-it notes need to go in. But generally, really nice. Um, I Just before we started recording today, I decided I'd quite like to do some planet strike. So I need to read through that section and dig mm. out some of my planet strike terrain. Because, yeah, I just want to play some... I'm just really buzzing for playing games this year. Um, and I think my, this version of the game is going to make that a lot easier. My favourite was always City Fight. I love City Fight. I don't know why. Because um, it's not quite so epic as uh, as Planet Strike or, or you know, the, the kind of big dramatic games. It's got something about it. I suppose it's like the enemy at the gate kind of feel. Mm. Um, I really like it. I would it. agree. I think City Fight... Is prob- would probably be my favourite. I just think it's probably of all of them. It's the it, it takes the highest amount of input from a creating the table point of view. Yes, yeah. And, and even though the... there are great kits and there are some fantastic MDF things online yes, and ways are. to set it up, but if you want to create a battlefield that is immersive, um, it's quite a lot of effort and, and multi layered. Yeah. And at this point, I have to say, I I built I bought, bought three a, of the big. City we built fight. a really great city fight table for an intro board. Um, oh, we did, yes, yeah, really, really. Uh, of which that. bits of it until very recently were still at Bristol Independent Gaming. Would you believe? Were they now? Yeah. How did they make it all the way up there from Plymouth? Oh, so they the, the were... vagaries of Games Workshop. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. No, no, they were they were gifted to. Cross Swords Gaming Club, I believe, yeah. by Games Workshop Plymouth when they went through the stage that we don't talk about of uh, getting rid of stuff that wasn't just the kits. Yes. Um, <laughs> I know what's <laughs> seething. You're seething. Uh, we'll have to talk about that another time, maybe. Um, <laughs> and so they were gifted to Cross Swords, and then um, Cross Swords ended up moving all their scenery on to. Giant's Lair, which was in Plymouth, and then Giant's Lair shut and moved to Bristol and became Bristol Independent Gaming um, and took all that terrain with it. So that's how they ended up in Bristol. And then Jim took over completely uh, Bristol Independent Gaming and grew it into the mighty beast that it is now becoming. A potted history of one of our pieces a of terrain. History. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I built um, a big city once and my dad threw it in the bin. Oh um, yes, you've told me about accidentally. that. Accidentally, if your dad is listening, uh, that's shame, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair to him, he was trying to clear out his house. Um, he was going for a lot of stuff. He asked me to pick up all my stuff. I picked it all up and said that's everything, and I forgot it. Uh, and it, yeah, that was devastating. More because of the time put in than anything, but yeah. these things happen. I wanted to do a uh, city fight board where it was all LED'd up, and I've mentioned this on the Facebook page, I think, but um. So it was lit uh, with, you know, maybe lighting so it looked like there was fires under rubble and all that sorts of stuff. And then f- when people are playing games on it, like 
cut the lights in the room. So the only thing they've got is one of those little reading lights for their books um, and the lights on the table to make it really immersive and really dramatic. Um, that's definitely on my list of hobby goals. Um, Do you know what? Uh, that would be amazing. And then get one of those laser pointer pens. Yes. Le- yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to happen. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, um, the the cost of the uh, LEDs is a bit prohibitive, but um, not too prohibitive, I don't think, uh, no. if you chip away at it. Um, what I'd like to be able to do is create it so it, it had magnets, you know, like there's magnet connectors so that mm. you didn't have to plug things in. You could just magnet it on and it would, you know, give its, give its charge from that. Oh, um, yeah. Things to think about. Um, no, nothing too detailed then. No, no, no. My, not yeah. too much work. I don't, yeah. <laughs> Well, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it right. Yeah, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> you don't no have point to pissing me. around with half-assed measures. No, absolutely not. Right, Ben. It's time we've, to we've... drift across to the mortal realms, isn't it, Dan? <laughs> it is time to make for the mortal realms uh, and leave the galaxy of war Do we need alone. to get, a, get you a sedative before we start this section? <laughs> no, no. I, <laughs> I, We've recorded a little bit later this week just so that I, uh, I'm a little bit calmer. When we get onto the Age of Sigmar. But it is a great game, mine. In fact, let's not talk about it in the 40k segment. Thanks, guys, for listening. We're just going to go and have a short breather. Um, we hope you join us again in a minute for the Mortal Realms. See you in a bit, guys. Hi guys, welcome back. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Age of Sigma now in our Mortal Realm segment. Um, we got um, a, quite an, a special release, the General's Handbook, and uh, and Dan's got a few things to say about it. I've only just bought the General's Handbook from <laughs> the first General's Handbook, so I'm a bit disappointed to find I'm going to have to replace it, but the collector in me is not upset at all. Well, and also the, the, the bit of you that only paid £15 for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. £15, I think, is entirely reasonable. Yeah. Do you know uh, what it reminded me of, Dan? Do, do you remember a, a while back there was um, a Warhammer fantasy book called The General's Compendium? Yes. Um, it was written by the guys over in Games Workshop America, and it was essentially a whole book dedicated to running campaigns. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it really reminded me of that. And I loved that book, The General's Compendium. Um, so it was nice to be reminded of it. Um I quite literally went out and got it off the shelf and read that as well. So it was it was a nice uh it was a nice reminder. But what an idea, uh the general's handbook. I'm really impressed with it as a concept. Yeah, it's interesting. Brad, um friend of ours Brad and I had a conversation about the general's handbook, um and whether we thought the games workshop planned it all along, or whether it was a response to the fact that when Age of Sigmar first launched it wasn't met with the the huge hurrah and excitement that perhaps was expected. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't really care <laughs> because it's amazing. <laughs> um, it's an amazing concept. It's great to see embracing of all the different ways that people might want to play the game. Um, yes. you know, broken into yeah. three primary ways. Being brought into 40k as well. The really nice thing as well is... <laughs> Okay, so some of the points now have started to appear in the back of the books. I think the Blades of Corn book and Stormcast Eternals have points in. 
Um, but the General's Handbook allows them to look at how the game has performed on the tournament scene and competitive scene over the year um, and, and make adjustments if they're needed and respond yeah. to their players yeah. and create a game which is, is more enjoyable for those competitive players. Because whilst, you know, some people will be happy to just go, yeah, we'll four plus it. Um, and that's great. And quite often I'll, I'll say that to people. But, you know, that's not for everyone. <laughs> you know, people want no. to know what what is the rule. You know, I take a lot of yeah. joy from trying to sieve through the rules and work out actually what what does that mean? How does that work? Um, and it's very yeah. frustrating when you can't know. So I'm really pleased to see the General's Handbook. I think the fact it's, it's only 15 quid is fantastic um, because, you know, you wouldn't want to buy a new full rule book every year, but buying buying the general's yeah. handbook, which is very broad, um, is is fine. I think I'm sure I read something about there's going to be siege rules in this one um, because a lot of the path to glory stuff is moved over into the battle tomes, so it doesn't doesn't feature so heavily in in the general's handbook. Yes. So yeah. presumably, still taking lots of feedback from the community. Um, I'm sure they mentioned that in the art article about it. Um, not sure when we're going to see it, but it's good to see that Age of Sigma hasn't been forgotten. I'll be interested to see what changes it makes. Uh, ben and I were discussing before we started recording that. So when the new Stormcast book came out, I had to change my army, um, rip some arms off some dudes and make some adjustments, which people found very funny uh, locally because they told me, well, you shouldn't be trying to, make the most powerful list then should you <laughs> so i i had to well, make that's some what people changes. do well yeah so you know it depends what yeah, you want I, so to make I, from, from the outset so i love the mortal realms i love the setting you you know to find out more listen to episode one <laughs> and i'm <laughs> very excited um i really do love the setting but what i really love about the game is i feel like i can play in a competitive manner not be a douche and actually have still have fun because I, yeah. I like the challenge. Yeah. I like the tactical minutiae of, you know, moving my men and getting the placement right. Um, I really enjoy that. And I enjoy not... I enjoy the fact that the game's quite fluid and smooth and lets you enjoy that as well. Yes. That's, that's, that's really yeah. good. So, um, yeah. Yeah, General, General's Handbook 2017. Very exciting for me. Um, ben, you, you've not... Well, we're going to play some Major Sigma this weekend, aren't we? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, no, not hopefully. We're definitely going to play some Age of Sigma this weekend, um, because I'm really actually excited to just take my gloves off and get get going with it. Because it's um, I haven't managed to convince Joe to play me yet. Um, she's kind of Age of Sigma skirmish, mate. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah, and the guys at the club were playing skirmish the um, last Friday, and they were really enjoying that. So. Um, there's some interesting questions about actually what is the model limit for skirmish, and uh, well, it's done on an amount of renown, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you pay renown for um, your your models, and the the list is in the back of the skirmish book. Yeah. Um, for the cost of renown, although it's weird because it suggests in the campaign you start with a renown of twenty five. Um, yes. But for many of the armies, because you because you have to take a hero. So, for example, I wanted to do an undead warband, and a necromancer is twenty-two oh renown. You're just down the dark path, you, aren't you? So I could have had a necromancer and a skeleton. That would have been my warband. Yes, well, that's because um, 
Necromancer's a beardy. Yeah, but the reason the that, that <laughs> all, I was only doing it so other people had someone to fight. Yeah, does anyone believe that anymore? <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Look, I've got three and a half thousand points of Stormcast looking at me, all painted. I definitely praise Sigmar. And they're all shaking their heads in disappointment. <laughs> yeah, they're all very, very sad. Yeah, only the faithful, Dan, and you clearly aren't. Sorry, oh, mate. mate. Oh, I can't believe you've just said that. I can't believe okay. you've just said that. Ben. Oh. Who shall Dan. cast down the forces of chaos? Not you. Only the faithful. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. That's why all my guys are silver. Yeah, General's Handbook, going back to the topic before we go off on one again. Um, yeah, I, I really liked the last one, and I'm hoping the new one is as good. Oh, I nearly um, forgot to talk about Allegiance. Don't let me forget to talk about Allegiance abilities. Oh, come on then. Now? Yes. Why not? <laughs> go on. Allegiance abilities! So, the thing that I really was excited about when I was reading the article about the new General's Handbook is they're going to expand the Allegiance abilities. So, Allegiance abilities in Age of Sigmar give a lot of flavour to your army, um, and they give you some additional abilities, funny that, um, that can govern how your army works or fights on the tabletop. Yes. I really like that because it gives you cool flavour um, and it it adds into the synergies you can build. So the Stormcast Allegiance ability is the thing that lets them come out of the come down on lightning bolts. So I'm yeah. really interested to see because at the moment the armies that only have access to the General's Handbook Allegiance abilities are definitely there is a step difference between them and the the armies that have got some of the newer books. So the Blades of Corn and the Stormcast Eternal book particularly have a lot more stuff in um the sylvan f book has a fair bit more uh oh carajon overlords they've got quite a bit more um i'm just looking on my just looking on my shelf over there to remind myself um so it'll be really nice to see those expanded out and i'm just excited to get in there and see on you know what little rules are in there um particularly uh ben's gonna cry particularly around the death faction because i'd quite like to do a death well, I need to do my corn first, but I would like to do a death faction. Um, mm. Like, particularly the malignants and all the, like, spirity people. Um, I like that idea of, like, lost souls wandering the realms of the the, the mortal realms. Um, did you uh, did you see that model of uh, the Karajan, uh flying ship being held up by the ghosts? Yes. Oh, it's outstanding. We're, I'm going to note that down to go on our Facebook page. I'm interested to know. You remember you can buy you can buy those little blimps, remote control blimps. You've seen those? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I yeah. think there's a conversion opportunity there. <laughs> I, I'm convinced. I have seen someone convert the corkscrew so it's moving. Yeah, you, I saw you posted that to me, and I was like, "Oh that's my good. days, that's yeah. amazing!" Excellent. If the only thing that's disappointing is it wasn't actually steam powered. <laughs> that somebody will. That will happen. <laughs> So um, it's a it's a bit of a shorter visit to the mortal realms this week, guys, because we got very excited in the forty k oh, segment. I think you you wanted to talk about Silver Tower, though, didn't you, Dan? Well, I was going to talk about Silver Tower, dude, but um, I thought I would save Silver Tower because we're actually not my gaming group locally. We're on the cusp. We're just over halfway through Silver Tower, um, and so I was hoping to report back to it and chat about it, um. 
once we'd pushed through that those missions a little bit right. more. Uh, but needless yeah, okay. to say, um, I'm playing as a Stormcast. He is either great or shite in each game. Um, and the <laughs> Chaos Champion is an absolute legend. He's not a Chaos Champion. He's a human champion. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, he is just human. That's, that's important to point out because then I can play with him and not feel dirty. Oh, okay. He's he's a human tribesman um, that just happens to like skulls and calls himself the Chaos Marauder. No, 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 no. He calls himself the chief of the uh, the Dunedain or the Rohirrim or whatever fantastical ah, name. Right, I see. Right, rather than uh, the Chaos, because he's just far too badass, and that model is just outstanding. Absolutely love him. Yeah, it's um, wonderful, isn't it? Anyway, so we'll move on then, guys, and we're going to move into our next segment, uh, Into the Wild, and we're going to talk about a few other games, so we're going to cut, get ourselves a cup of tea, and uh, we'll see you in a minute. Cheers, guys. Welcome back, guys. Uh, the drop pod is hurtling towards its final destination where we get to go and slay some heretics or some loyal imperialists, depending on whether it's me or Ben you're talking to. Um, <laughs> and on, or maybe just slay, uh, you know, fight each other and then have a big man hug. But anyway, <laughs> on our way there, we're just popping off into the wilds where we're going to talk a little bit about um, some of the other games we play. So this segment, each, each time we put one out is going to be our sort of wild card really it's our chance to talk about something um outside of the rounds of games workshop or maybe tag something extra in that is about games workshop so um i know ben in particular wanted to talk about a little bit about x-wing because he started yeah. playing that um and also the, the predator game that i mentioned at the start there so um ben x-wing yeah uh, x-wing um so x-wing was something i picked up um at christmas uh, with some of my Christmas money, um, unfortunately last Christmas, but never really got around to playing it. And um, X Wing's got a bit of a reputation at the moment because it it stole the best selling board game um, from a uh, wargaming board game from uh, from Forty K for a period of time, um, which is really quite an interesting thing. And it's probably got a lot to do with why Games Workshop has changed an awful lot um, and and made some big sort of changes to the 40k rules recently because x-wing was an incredibly easy game to pick up uh, and mm. really really fun and really really tactical um played it just a few ships uh, one x-wing versus two tie fighters um against uh alexander my one of my mates um who unfortunately lives in brighton so we don't get to play against each other that often and uh it i really enjoyed it dan i, I really really did um there is a a dark uh, joy in not having to paint the models. <laughs> I, know, yeah, yeah, I knew that was coming. As a hobbyist. But that is not, you don't need to be, so the way I saw that, because I've unsurprisingly got some X-Wing, quite a lot of X-Wing. I think I've got six TIE Fighters um, and three or four of the X-Wings and a load of other stuff as well. A Millennium Falcon. Um, You've got to have the Millennium the, the way Falcon. I, Oh, it's just Sorry? A, you, the Millennium Falcon is a must-have. It's a quality little yeah, thing. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? It's awesome. So um, the, the way I see it is it just saves painting time for painting other stuff. Because, 
uh, then I can get on with painting painting some of my Warhammer stuff. But yes. yeah, and the models aren't rubbishly painted either, are they? No, they're not. They really, really aren't. And uh, I mean, I would literally throw my toys out of my pram if Games Workshop went to pre-painted models. That would be devastating for me. Um, that would take some real selling. Uh, but it, you're right. As a game, an extra game to pick up, uh, it's, it takes away a huge barrier. I can spend money on X-Wing and not have to worry about it sitting in a box for 10 years, not getting painted. <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. And uh, I can just get it out and play with it. And it means, like you said, I can focus on painting my you know, my Games Workshop stuff, which is, um, which takes up all of my time, frankly. Um, all of my hobby time, so uh, really enjoyed that. And the rule set is uh, it's very slick, really, very very good. Um, quite easy to understand why it's caught on. Um, as a, as easy to pick up game, and uh, the you know the access is really easy into it. Um, and me and Alex were playing for ten minutes before we cottoned on to the basically most of the rules. Um, and there's two rule sets. There's an easy-to-use rule set, and then there's an advanced rule set. Um, and the easy-to-use rule set was was fun as well. You could, I think, you could play the game forever just using that rule set and not be too bothered at all. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. It's um, it's a really good dynamic. I love the way it works, uh, especially with the movement dials. I think that's yes. really clever. Yeah. Um, I actually prefer. Armada, which is the the one that they've done with the bigger ships, uh, yes, I think that's just yeah. it. It runs so nice and it's so stately. And when you when you see the Imperial Star Destroyer, and that is a big model, and it yeah, it looks fantastic. But yeah, X Wing is a very good game, easy to pick up and play. A lot of counters and tokens. You need you need little divider things yes. to keep everything in. Um, uh, and interestingly, that game mechanic has been used by Wizards of the Coast for their Star Trek Attack Wing oh, right. game. And um, there's a Dungeons & Dragons, like, dragon, dogfighting dragons type thing, which which uses it as well. Um, and uh, elements of it, I've not played this myself, but um, Fantasy Flight have recently launched a mm, fantasy, masked battles fantasy war game. Um, and it uses some of those mechanics as well. Oh, right. Um, some of the movement stuff. So it's pretty wide range. It's, it's been very successful, that game mechanic. Yeah. Um, and like you say, it is easy to see why why it's done so well. And I, I think, or I would hazard a guess that what it did was open um, someone's eyes at Games Workshop to the potential of the competitive gaming market, because certainly before recent changes there was a there seemed to be a negative view towards that competitive market and you weren't really bothered too much about that competitive market yes, yeah um and that's massively changed and you know x-wing it's got well you'd be daft if you didn't look at what your your competitors were doing and at least you know try and learn something yeah that would be foolish so and, Thank and, you, X-Wing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, I think uh, I don't think I'd be taking too far of a leap of faith to say that it, it, it has impacted on how Games Workshop was dealt with 40k. 
Okay. Oh, definitely. Well, it, it, so there are lots of podcasts that talk about this, and we could go on for ages about the the journey, the game's virtual journey between Age of Sigmar and what we've just seen with 40k, and it's a fantastic one, um, and hopefully one of real success. And it's funny, actually, we talked last week about how frustrated you get at some of the Facebook posts, yes. and I've seen a lot. A lot of them, and, and I must say, a lot less negative ones with yes. 40k than yeah. I saw with Age of Sigmar. A considerable amount less, but ultimately, you see, uh, the ones that always make me chuckle is the ones about you know, Age of Sigmar is failing, or 40k is failing, or you know, that's not going to sell, that's rubbish, blah blah blah. And I, my response is is always, well, let's not get out of our pram about it. Let's just wait until the financial reports come out. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, you know, whether or not this is sad or no, I love reading the financial reports that come out about it's Games sad. Workshop and looking at how they're doing. Yeah, all right, it's sad. <laughs> but I like it because I like business and it, it, it and I like hobbies, so particularly interests me. And the stuff that's been coming out lately is all positive. So yeah, um, that, for me, puts people in their place that are, you know, claiming the end is nigh. Yeah, no, I don't, think, I don't think the end is nigh at all. I think, I think anyone who seriously believes that is... Uh... It's barking, but we've gone off topic. We're, we're back out of the world. We have, we have. We're back talking about games yeah, yeah. in our segment about other games. So go on then, Predator. You, oh, I know Predator. you're very excited about this game. I was. So um, I, I'm probably as much of a fan of the Alien universe uh, as I am of the 40K universe. And the problem, of course, being that at the moment certain film directors keep sodding around with the canon. Um, but for me... <laughs> The best film was the second one. So to release a game where the models are exceptional um, and reflect that Aliens, the second film, are just fantastic. Um, I bought the box set. Um, There is only the box set, really. Uh, The the price point is actually not bad. The the models are pretty, pretty reasonably priced and phenomenally detailed. I would say they're actually probably too detailed because some of the structural details on them are so so thin that they're they're weak. If you know what I mean, you can be holding the model to paint it, and you've bent the smart cannon frame, uh, which is frustrating. Yeah, um, I remember you mentioning. But uh, uh, actually, you know, when you take away the side, the models really are absolutely stunning. And uh, they've just re-released the box set because and Prodos, if we're going to talk about game companies that are struggling with feedback, Prodos really have ballsed up uh, their customer relations from the ground off, really, because uh, a lot of their Kickstarter stuff has yet to be shipped, um, if you can believe that. It's, out, it's been out for years. Um, they've On the second edition of the box set and the original Kickstarter stuff has yet to be shipped. Um, and... Uh, and I probably how does that even happen? I I know. I mean, it's it's phenomenal, really. <laughs> um, so if people are moaning about Games Workshop, um, anyone who's into the Prodos models is just going to ignore you because the difference is just ridiculous. Um, but the new box set is single piece resin models, as good a quality as the multi part in a lot of ways, and uh, and you can just get them straight out of the box and play with them. Uh, and that it essentially means if you've got the old box set and you buy the new box set, you've got two different squads of Marines. So that's pretty cool. Haven't afforded to be able to buy the second set yet. But uh, uh, So what price point is that set at then? Uh, I think the, the set was 80, I think. Um, okay. And there's a lot of stuff in there. 
uh, and it's good mm. quality stuff. Um, I think it's eighty. I might be doing a discredit, um, but um, the thing that the model that really did sort of the icing on the cake at the moment for me is the uh, is the Cheyenne gunship. So <laughs> the Cheyenne gunship was the absolute dog's testicles for me in the film when I first saw it. Wings opening up, coming down in for its its landing. It it just took my imagination when I was a kid. And um uh the model is absolutely brilliant. It's a bit it's a bitch to put together though, Dan. Um it's got so many parts the the the, the quality isn't quite as good as Forge World, even though Prodos claim that it is. Uh, the parts just don't sit as well together. It's it's taking some modelling to get it together. Um, but the wings articulate. Uh, the ramp is, you know, usable. Um, really, really quite excited to get that um, finished. Uh, but it's on hold at the moment because uh, I don't want to paint it until I've got my airbrush because I think it would look shite painted by brush. Um, I want to get <laughs> good with my airbrush so I can, I can have a proper shot at it, give it a decent decent job um the th- disappointed about it is the fact that uh they've made no inclination whether they're going to do the apc to go in the bottom which i think is a real shame actually because uh, if you're like me you like the cinematic element of games so landing the dropship on the table and the apc coming out the bottom um or just having the ship on the table as part of the scenery with the apc there you know that's a big thing um and they haven't they haven't done it uh, they've got by the sound of it no intention of making an apc to scale that fits in and i think that's a bit of a shame really but um i suppose one of the challenges whenever you've got a game which is dealing with a license yes is that there's so many hoops to jump through for them isn't there there is and that's that's been a big problem for them um fox have, have put up a lot of hoops for them to jump through um, mm. their rule book practically needed to be redesigned because they they weren't allowed to use some things that they put in there. They weren't allowed to expand on the background or anything. Um, they, their intention was to have a real fleshed out background book like 40k. Um, never happened, unfortunately. Um, which I think is a real shame. And it's a know, bit of a double edged sword, I suppose, isn't it? With the old, because you've got the fact that actually their game. Is a it's a really popular license. Yep. It's going to help drive sales. Um, it's a ball of chain at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and and I think uh, it has to be said, Fox, um, shame on them because I mean, just for goodness' sake, is it really that important to be such uh, ass about it? And uh, and for a lot of people, that game would have um would be doing better would be selling better had fox not sort of hindered them and fox would have been getting royalties from it so i don't understand the logic behind it at all um but then ip is always a difficult minefield and you know games workshop have had their uh, their problems with ip and um and people have uh have been quite disappointed with how they've reacted to some situations um i can't yeah. can't say i blame either side i can see both point of views really um, but in this one, I think it was, whereas in some of the Games Workshop cases, it was a lose for Games Workshop. Um, this would have been a win-win for both Prodos and Fox, and I don't really understand why the behaviour was the way it was. 
Um, it's really disappointing. Uh, and as a result, as good as the sets are and as great as the models are and as great as the game seems to be, again, I haven't managed to convince Joe to play, play me at it yet. Um, and, and if you're listening, Joe, we seriously, we need to start playing these games because, you know, you moan about me buying stuff and not using it. It's your fault. <laughs> Mate, you need to get, um, what is it that I've got? So, Hey, That's My Fish is a particularly, is one Harriet and I enjoy. Carcassonne, we enjoy. I do um, like the Settlers one, don't you? Settlers of Catan. Yeah. Well, we we do. <laughs> uh, I did like it. But after I lost 31 games of it against Harriet, when we were on holiday <laughs> in St. Ives, I, 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 we're not allowed to play games that involve dice. You losing. No, dice. Because oh. I get really angry. I don't mind if Harriet outplays me. But when I believe the dice have turned against me, I I lose my shit a little bit, to put it that way. Um, It is quite funny. Uh, (laughs) Although we have been able to play um, a game called Waggle Dance, which is by Grubbling Games, who are actually based down in Penzance, I think. Um, Are they the same guys who did um, Cornish Settlers? Yes, they are. um, Cornish Smuggler. Yeah. Yeah, which is a fantastic game. So we have played that, and that does have dice in it. And generally, there's there's been no, I've not had any strops recently, on that. That's good, <laughs> good game. You gotta collect the honey and drop it. No, collect the nectar and then use it to make honey. It's a good game. So that's a. On that note, I think we've um I've had a mini rant about Prodos um and the uh, the love hate relationship I have with the versus Predator game at the moment. And, and and I'm now talking about gathering honey, <laughs> nectar to make honey. So um, definitely, <laughs> thankfully, the drop pod is nearing um, the end of its journey. We are preparing to go forth, ladies and gents, uh, and take the emperor's vengeance um, or the fine word of chaos to uh, to the citizens of the forty first millennium. Intervention, <laughs> intervention. Yeah, absolutely. So we are hoping um, to put out another one in a couple of weeks. Thank you ever so much. Uh, I think fifty five likes so far on the Facebook page. So to all of you guys, thank you very much for the support. Really good to see you interacting with some of the stuff we're putting up. Please let us know if there's things you want us to talk about. Um, you want us to try. You want us to not talk about. <laughs> <laughs> go on about um we we really do appreciate the feedback as we said early on it's all about building that community yeah um yeah definitely we've been the two peas in a pod uh thank you very much for listening and we will catch you next time see you next time basically.